Welcome into Texans All Access from inside the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Hi, I'm your host, DP City, along with Drew Doherty. Mark Vandermeer will join us later on, and also John Harris. But first, welcome, Drew, to the studio. Thank you, DP. That's nice to be welcomed. It's good to be here. You've probably it's... already been in here like 12 times today. I've been in here a little bit, but not with you, and it's good to be in here. You doing all right? I'm doing okay. It's free agency, yep. obviously. Lots of... Lots of news every single day, but uh, just one transaction that is official as far as the team is concerned, and that is the Texans signed tight end Darren Fells. Yes. So I know that uh, news broke a little bit about him yesterday. Team makes it official, but uh, what do you expect to see out of him? I know you're probably going to write a little something about him as well. It's an interesting acquisition because you have the three already here in Ryan Griffin, the, the three most notable. There's other guys on the roster, but Ryan Griffin, who's been here since 13, and then the two rookies from last year, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Akins. Thomas, of course, four touchdowns. Akins, uh, both of them, Akins and Thomas, were receivers at the start of their college careers. And then Thomas didn't become a tight end until last year when, you know, when you drafted him. So this is a guy who has played and started. Started about 23 combined games over the last two years. Had three touchdowns apiece in each of the last two seasons. Detroit two years ago, Cleveland last year. Really solid blocker. Very, very athletic guy. Six foot seven, two hundred seventy-five pounds. Played college basketball, Cal Irvine, and then played for about four or five years internationally in places like Finland and Belgium and Argentina and Mexico. So he's he's got a very good life experience. But this is somebody who you now have four guys with significant tight end experience on the roster. Do you remember the last time the Texans had four tight ends on the roster, on the active roster? Because I feel like probably not since I've been here. It was probably Kubiak's time when you had Owen Daniels and Anthony Hill and Joel Dreesen and uh, James Casey, mm. and they kind of moved Casey a bit around. Casey was a little bit of fullback, a little and bit of tight end. Those guys weren't always active at the same time, but they were kind of on the the roster at the same time. So that that would probably be, and then you you mix in Garrett Graham. So, yeah, I think they've done it before, and they might have done it since, but that's when I remember it better, off just off the top of my head. All right, free agency still underway, so I expect that, uh, you know, with all the free agents that are in and in and around the building, uh-huh. we may hear some more news later on in the week. Yeah, you're, you're going to. There's going to be some more movement. There's, you know, there's, there's going to be a flurry of, of movement coming throughout the next few days. I don't know that it's going to be huge, huge names, but you're going to see some things. But back to Fells, I don't want to shortchange this guy. Of course. I mean – this guy can play, and this is a very quiet move that I, the roster's getting better uh, with him in the fold. So at the very minimum, it's it's raised the level of competition between those four guys. So uh, this is a, a good move for the Texans. And I think people are going to be excited about what they see. I think Deshaun Watson is going to be excited about what he can do. And you've got guys now six foot seven in Fells. A big 6'5", he looks like he's 6'6", in Jordan Thomas. I mean, massive human beings, massive problems matchup-wise. To go along with matchup problems in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who outmatches everyone, You've doesn't, got matter, a, doesn't matter who he plays against. Yeah, you're just and adding. And Kiki QT and Will Fuller in their yeah. own ways. So, yeah, this is good. You're giving more weapons. What have we heard Brian Gaines say? I want to surround Deshaun Watson with the best weapons and best protection as possible. He's doing the, the weapons part. He's working on the, the protection part as well. Just, I promise, just be patient. It's coming. It's coming. Just together. be patient. It's coming. Mm-hmm. I like it, Drew. I know you. we talk about free agent signings a lot. You and John Harris 
Uh, you guys were discussing the best free agent yeah, signings yeah. on your podcast. Is that up now or it's it will up. be up soon? It is. In the lab went up earlier today. And um, Is it like a bracketology or did no, you guys just – I you, almost wish you had done that. Well, with this one you can't because the <laughs> Feel franchise hasn't been around long enough. <laughs> and, um, yeah, th- th- they've kind of uh, – they've never gone – or they haven't gone too big this time of year. When they have, they've kind of gotten – bitten by it. You know, Brock Osweiler didn't really work out when they signed him early. The big ones do, generally. Ed Reed, yeah, Ed Reed didn't work out that great. Although last year, Tyron Matthew, I know everybody was super but excited was, about that. He was a week in. He, th- you signed him That's around true. this time last year, a week into free agency, and he was good. He definitely was a good But he was released agent. a little bit late. That was a little bit of a surprise when yes. he got released, but it didn't take long for the Texans to sort of snatch him up. Yes, and it was a surprise It was a surprise when the Texans signed him. It made, mu- it made sense, but I think there was a thought out there they wouldn't do it anyways, but they did. But I still think, and John agrees, best free agent signing in team history at this time of year. I'm not talking about undrafted rookies. Okay. This time of year, you got to go, and it, it really wasn't even this time of year. It was July because of the lockout. Got to go with Jonathan Joseph. Because of course. The year before, you had the worst pass defense since the NFL-AFL merger. I mean, they got torched in 10. And then you bring in Joseph, and you bring in Daniel Manning. Daniel Manning. Too. That was a that was, was a strong strong free agent signing. They oh, they, they were signed together on the great, same day. Great double dip that day. And then what do they do in 2011 with Wade Phillips and with JJ uh, Watt and Connor Barwin had a good year. Mario Williams was out for five games at outside linebacker. Defense played great. Brian Cushing had the best year of his career, and Jonathan Joseph was a big reason for that that huge turnaround. And then he's been such a stable force there on on the uh, in the secondary for the Texans since so he's played in multiple pro bowls he's he's been the best free agent signing in team history i think followed up by Antonio Smith back in 09 he was a good one too yeah i was so, going to say who who are your next runner ups it was Antonio Smith and then uh after that you know you could throw in the honey badger you could throw in mm-hmm. you could throw in Wade Smith i mean Wade Smith was a pro bowler here That's part of true. the greatest offensive lines in team history sure you know they're at left guard excellent excellent player and uh you know, he's done a great job with us on TV and radio. We love having him. Yeah, you sort of forget that he was ever anywhere else except for Houston, but he, he oh, played he with a, a number of teams. Oh, he had a long career. I mean, he was in the league for like 11 years, so he was a great signing. And um, It wasn't a coincidence that Arian Foster had his had his greatest years once Wade, Phil, Wade Smith came into the fold, too, um, to go along with the rest of those guys, Dwayne on the left side of him and then Myers and Biscuit Brizel and Eric Quinson out at right tackle. Yeah, and I would uh, – yeah, I would I would say that well Chris Myers as well. I brought right? I said Myers. Oh, okay. I thought you were just throwing him in later, but yeah, as a free agent. I I was saying that line left to gotcha, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I agree with all those. I think Jonathan Joseph and Antonio Smith were are probably among my favorites yeah. to interview as well. T- totally. Some totally. great a lot of fun that we've Think had. Think about this. Guys. We we added an addendum onto the podcast too. The greatest collective personality class oh, free agent wise would all be all over that. Oh nine because you signed Antonio, you signed Sean Cody, you signed Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> and then if you want to kind of bend the rules a bit a little bit, he technically was a free agent, even though he was a rookie. Arian Foster. Sure. A rookie. And that's that's the Some great, great slam personality of, that... of free agent sl- signings there, but uh, yeah, the 09 class they come in strong. Yeah, Antonio Smith definitely up there. I never got to meet Sean. Well, I I kind of met Sean Cody. I feel like I know him because I watched all of the on the nose yep. that you and Sean used to produce, and I saw him. Scurf, yeah, Scurf. You yeah. and Nick Scurfield, yeah. my predecessor, yeah. and uh, Sean Cody on the nose. I watched all those episodes. Barwin, he had a role in there too. Of course, he was always the sidekick, and there was one game, I want to say it was two seasons ago where Sean Cody was back in the stadium 
and he was walking through the service level with Brian Cushing, and I saw him, and I want to say he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt or Probably something really so. crazy. Yeah. And I saw him, and I just started waving like a lunatic at him, and he just <laughs> stared at me. And then I realized, oh, he doesn't know me. Yeah. <laughs> I know him. He doesn't know me. He probably gets that a lot. So it's... Yeah. It was a great personality. And speaking of great personalities, Kareem Jackson off oh, to man. Denver. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, totally. we, we got to do some tryouts or something the way you did with On the Nose for, for KJAC TV. We'd <laughs> get, obviously change the name Get as Brian well. Brayman back in. Yeah. <laughs> really All right. One. You also answer a lot of questions every week on Dear Drew. What have, what have been the popular questions from fans? Hey, understandably so. People. Where's the offensive line help? I mean, I got a variation of that question today uh, in about six different ways, and I understand. I mean, the Texans have not signed a huge free agent on the offensive line. Now, might they sign Donald Pence? A possibility. Makes sense. You don't owe him any – you would not owe any uh, compensatory pick uh, or, or, or wouldn't compromise your compensatory pick formula next year if you were to sign him. Just a season ago, he was a pro bowler. Um, you need – to get better up front because gain, like we said earlier in the show, he's wanting to pr- improve protection, improve weapons. Yeah, and the more bodies, the better, yeah. especially you lose Kendall Lamb to the Browns. And, yeah. uh, you know, even as a swing tackle, you need to have somebody else back there just for competition and, camp in case of injuries. We obviously saw what happened last year with the O-line. Yeah, and you say swing tackle. I mean, who's to say he can't start? I mean, this is a guy who he thinks he has a lot left in the tank. Oh, and yeah, I'd, of course. I'd believe him. I mean, he's got skins on the wall. Very, very durable until last season. I mean, that was the first time in his career – or one of the first times in his career, not played 16 games. Nasty. I mean, he's he's uh, everything you want an offensive tackle. And on top of that, he's caught four touchdown passes in his career. Mm. Six touchdown ta- pa- or six passes total for all about 24 yards. So you could you could throw him in there as a goal line uh, goal line guy there if you want to mess around and get creative. And we've seen Bill O'Brien do stuff like that in the end. But yeah, I, I mean, I was asked a lot about the offensive line. They're gonna add some 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 bodies up front, and uh, they got to get better there. Nobody's denying that. Nobody uh, is, is sugarcoating that. So they're gonna they're gonna they'll be active. I think they'll probably some... just not uh, well, you know, not they're they're not breaking the bank. Obviously, signing guys right, right. now with offensive linemen right. because you know you've got other needs as well. So maybe you'll see some 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 people come through in free agency. If not, you've got a lot of picks in the draft. You got uh, three in the first two rounds. Yes, and you know what else? I would not rule out trades either at this point. Mm. I, I could see, I could see Gain being active on the trade front in that regard during the draft, or you mean otherwise after the draft, before this? I mean, I could see any time. I mean, th- he's shown that he's and he said as well. He, he said it, and then he's backed it up by showing it. He said the Texans will go by any means necessary, whether it's the waiver wire, free agency, the draft. Tra- I mean, he's gone out and done stuff to get better. Look, in season on the waiver wire, DeAndre Carter came in and made an impact. That's one one example. And still on the roster. Had a great they had a great draft last year without having a first or a second. So I would not rule out the idea of the Texans trading to get help on the offensive line or elsewhere that they, they think they need it. All right. Uh mock draft is one of your most yep. popular series that you put out. You're like on mock draft fifty seven now, but what's yes. the latest as far as you've got free agency underway? What are what are the national media saying? about who, what the Texans may do with that first-round pick. Yeah, we got the latest mock draft survey, which it's not it's not me doing a mock draft. It's me kind of compiling all the mock drafts and saying what – kind of seeing where they, they think the experts think the Texans are going to draft and who they're going to draft. And I've got about 39 that I pulled because there's – everybody's got a mock draft, so I only pull the ones that I kind of have some know about. With. Yeah, mm-hmm. and out of the 39, 28 of them have the Texans taking a tackle or offensive lineman. Um, about five or six have them taken a corner, but 
10 have them taking Andre Dillard from Washington State. Mm. And I don't think there's any way Andre Dillard falls to 23. He uh, did very well. He had very, a really very well good at the combine. combine. Yeah, and, and his tape before that was really good. I mean, played a pass-happy offense. I think he's going to be a really good good left tackle, and I don't think he'll be around at 23. But a lot of experts think he will, and they have him going to the Texans. He'd be, it'd be awesome if the Texans could take him at 23. A lot of, them, a lot of other choices are six going to Cody, Cody Ford, the Oklahoma offensive lineman. Four five had uh, Greg Little from Ole Miss, and then Greedy Williams, the corner from LSU, fell to the Texans on three of them. So. All right. Well, you can check that out on HoustonTexans.com, the Texans mock draft, as well as Dear Drew and the leftovers. Drew answers all the questions he doesn't get into in the video. All right. Coming up next, we're going to go around the league, play a little game of true and false, true or false, with Mark Vandermeer. And then later on, John Harris jumps in. He tells us what he thinks about Darren Fells and how that's going to change the tight ends group. It's all coming up on Texans All Access. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Texans All Access. We roll on. Mark Vandermeer joins me in the studio. And uh, how's it going, Mark? It's going great, DP. I mean, I'm really fired up, as always, because I got the NFL owners' meetings. They actually call it officially the NFL meetings, but everyone calls it the owners' meetings. They should call it the coaches' meetings because that's when everyone gets to talk to the coaches. It's true. Tuesday morning, and we'll have it all for you. Uh, The Tuesday night All Access show is going to be loaded with Bill O'Brien stuff, and I'm going to catch up with all these media guys. It's going to be a lot of fun next week in Phoenix. It's always a funny way that they set this up because the coaches are just eating breakfast yeah. at a big round table and media just sort of joins them while well, they're eating. It's the most awkward breakfast ever. The veteran coaches know you eat before you sit down <laughs> because it's kind of uncomfortable. Like, eh, you're eating food you're and really they're asking you questions. questions. And it's now they do the AFC and the NFC together, so you'll have 32 tables, Oof. including Bill Belichick, who does make an appearance in this, even though he doesn't talk at the Combine. So that'll be interesting. I wonder how they handle that. Maybe he doesn't show. I don't know if there's a fine if you don't show or whatever, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but he usually has a lot of cameras around his table regardless. Uh, what else is going to be popular here? Are you going to table hop? Because I know you want to hear everything Bill O'Brien yeah, has to I, say. Yeah, I and usually stick around. You I, don't want to miss anything. It, now, there have been times where I've uh, drifted to the other AFC South tables. Sure. And gotten some comments from the coach, especially if that table looks light. And I'll run over there, get a couple of quick comments, and run back. Uh, but sometimes it's just jam-packed with people, and I'm thinking I can't really get much of a comment out of that table because they have you know, all, lo- all their local media around. Some guys just plant themselves at the table and never leave. John McClain. No, actually, he does, <laughs> he'll get up after a while. He'll just leave his recorder there so he can be sure to get all the info. Yeah, because you, especially with the free agents the Texans have signed, it might be worth going to the Jaguars table or to the Browns table, get some intel on some of the new guys. I should be talking with Brian Gain as well at some point. I know everyone's going to wonder, are they doing anything? Yeah, they're doing things, okay? What they're doing is actually making the football team better in little increments here and there and just give them time. They're not playing a game for a while, last I checked, unless there's some spring game on the schedule that I'm not aware of. I wish there was, actually. But uh, let's just give this a little time to unfold and play out. Yeah, free agency is far from over, and teams are still releasing players here and there, which I find surprising because it changes the mix a little bit. It does. I think some of the teams, they look at what they can get, what they will get. Uh, Maybe they took out more than they wanted, or they realize that, they got what they needed, and they'll get rid of a player at that point. Or they're trying to make a trade. The trade's not going to happen, so they yeah. ultimately release the guy, and then, yeah. and then that, that, that also adds to the free agent pool. Yep. All right, let's go around the league. I thought instead of just breaking down the news of around the league, 
I would take it one step further and play a little okay. game of true or false with you. Let's go. Okay, because some big names have signed with some completely different teams. Okay. So I want to get uh, I want I want to get your takes on what this 2019 season is going to look like. Sure. All right. Let's start with the first one. It's going to be in the AFC South. Ryan Tannehill takes over as starting QB before Week Four in Tennessee. True or false? Is this bec- well? Can I ask you a question about the question? Well, you can make your own assumptions, say, but I'm, you can ask me. I'm going to say true because I'll say that between – I would think injury could be a major factor here mm-hmm. or Mario to plays himself out of the job, and Tannehill will look good in practice and he'll tempt them to play him. He's a good athlete. People forget what a good athlete Tannehill is. Yeah, he's had those injuries, but before the injuries, he could move around a little he bit. He could move around, and they remember, some of the people do, what Blaine Gabbert did. At times, it was a positive. Now, look, they had to get by. They were running the Wildcat with Henry and everything. They beat the Texans with Blaine Gabbert. With Ryan Tannehill at the controls, I think they're gonna. there's going to be some temptation there if Mariota falters. Certainly, if he's injured, Tannehill will play. So I'll say uh, I'll roll the dice here and say true, that he'll take over as the starter. I don't know about forever, but I think he'll have a start, if not significant time, uh, after or before the first quarter of the season. That in quarter the first, pull arrives. In the first quarter of the season. Yeah, yeah I think with Mariota's pinched nerve that he had happening last year that just kept popping up it, it always like. happens like elbow the he worst time right he can't throw the football more than three feet oh great i mean it's terrible for him and i feel bad for our friend i really don't feel that you bad. don't feel that <laughs> i really don't i don't we, right. we do know some people in the organization and they're nice but that's about all I'll say. all right so you're gonna say true to that all right how about this one the cleveland browns will win the afc north True or false? Well, I saw how the Ravens were reacting to that because everyone's on fire for the Browns right now. They are. They're super hot in the offseason. In fact, DB, side note, my flag football team, we were the Browns for a long time because basically by accident, but we kept those uniforms because we'd sneak up on people. They thought we were so bad because we had Browns uniforms on. Now the Browns are the hot thing, so I want to change out of those uniforms, even though they've become a mini tradition in our flag football universe. Oh, because you you want to still be able to sneak up on people? I want to sneak up on people. So, so who's, whose uniform are you going to pick up? I want to be up? the Lions now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll sneak up on people. The Cardinals? <laughs> Keep it out of the... I like the Chargers unis, but it's AFC and the Texans are playing them this like year. Like Philip Rivers, it. he always finds a way, so yeah. we, can't, we can't be the Chargers. Yep, but anyway, uh, the Browns, AFC North, I'm going to say... False. There are two other contenders there, and I'm not. I'm not saying Cleveland's going to be bad or anything, but it's a big leap to get to nine, ten wins. It for any team, and especially the Browns. I know they've made additions, but I also think that this Odell Beckham Jr. trade. I don't see it going as well as everyone else does. Mm. Let's just put it that way. I okay. think there could be some unhappiness in Cleveland. That could pop up a little bit later in mm-hmm. true or false. Okay. All right, actually let's uh let's get to let's get to Odell Beckham Jr. All right, true or false. Odell Beckham Jr. will have more touchdown catches than Antonio Brown in twenty nineteen. Let me give you some stats. All okay. right. OBJ last year he played twelve games. Right. He had a thousand fifty two yards mm. and six touchdowns mm-hmm. in twelve games. Six right. touchdowns. All right. Brown, in 15 games, had 15 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So Brown actually averaged more touchdowns per yeah. game. You got Jarvis Landry on the other side. I'm going to go Antonio Brown. I think somehow that works out a little bit better than OBJ Even though Cleveland. it's the Raiders. Even though it's the Raiders. As far as statistics and fantasy football points and everything like that. Okay. Le'Veon Bell will rush for over 1,200 yards as a Jet. He no. did so in 2016 and 2017 with Pittsburgh. No. 
I think I think Less. you took a year off. I think it's going to be hard to stay healthy. But it'll be I fresh. I think there's going to be a lot of yeah, fresh, fresh mesh. <laughs> I think it's going to be hard to take the pressure off of him in New York with Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's a pretty good quarterback, but I don't see that. I, I think that's going to go just fine for them, but I don't – 1,200 is not that much. But don't you think they'll rely more on Le'Veon Bell than maybe Ben Roethlisberger did in Pittsburgh because – he yeah, they, so many they'll, they'll try, but I don't know if it's going to work so well because everyone's going to know that. Pittsburgh has a lot of other guys you got to pay attention to, like Juju and Antonio Brown. And, and they had a good O-line, like too. Yeah, and it's Ben Roethlisberger throwing you the rock, and he can spread it around. And Darnold, I think, is going to be a good quarterback, but I think it's a little early. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to gamble on the low side of that. Maybe I'm taking too many risks today, but that's the way I feel, DB. Do you think he's going to have a career high in attempts? I feel uh, like they're going to hand the ball off to yeah, him Yeah, that, that could happen. But health has sometimes been a concern with him as well. And coming off a year off, I'm not so sure it's going to all go swimmingly. We'll see. We'll see. All right. I'm surprised about your Odell Beckham Jr. take. I feel like you're the only one that's not excited about that. Oh, really? Oh, I'm not. I think for the Giants, that's a tremendous deal. I think for the Browns, why are you doing this? You don't need to do it. I mean, I've been very outspoken about this. Him and Jarvis this. Juice Landry. Yeah, so Baker what? Mayfield. I, I, you know, you gave up a, a one and a three. Go draft some people that can help you win for a few years. And I know Odell. Oh, Odell can do that, Mark. Yeah, I guess so. But I'm looking at a guy who I think might not be so happy if the ball's not coming his way enough. Or, you know, Mayfield's only in his second year. Is he ready to take on that kind of personality? Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't of, like it. It's a lot of strong personalities, but maybe they'll all neutralize Yeah, we'll each see. Other. We'll, we'll see. see. All right, the New York Giants starting quarterback in week one is mm-hmm. not on the roster. Uh, it's Eli. Eli's starting. He's still there right these, now. You don't think this is a smoke screen? For what, drafting Giants, a guy yeah. and playing him and letting Eli mm-hmm. be the mentor? Mm-hmm. No, I think Eli starts. Wins the job in camp. Look, nope. we had Deshaun Watson here, and Tom Savage started week one. That's I think true. Eli's going to start week one, no matter who the Giants draft, no matter what they do with those picks. I think Eli's still going to be the week one starter. So I think a better question is, who's starting week 17? 17, that was the follow-up. <laughs> uh, true or oh. false, Eli Manning starts in week 17. Yeah, false. I, somebody else is going to start that game. Giants. <laughs> so we're going to start with Eli. At that and- point. The end is a big Unless question Unless it's, mark. all right, let's give him his final start in the Big Apple area or something like that. The Giants' season has completely imploded. I think they have some talent on that roster. Not a ton, but they do. Uh, obviously, you know, everyone knows about the big names like Saquon Barkley. But to me, I don't think it's going to be a good year for them. Mm, okay. The Miami Dolphins starting QB will be Ryan Fitzpatrick in week one. Now, they he, let Tannehill go. Right. Now they've got Fitzy. They yeah. may draft somebody. Fitzy. But do they just Fitzy. go with the Fitz? It's Fitz magic time Be, in see Miami. See my point about the last question with Savage <laughs> week one. Not that that's an automatic, that the veteran starts. But they signed Fitzy for a reason. I think Fitzy will hold it down until whoever is ready. And how many times has Fitzy been in this position? He has made – don't forget, his rookie season was yeah. 2005. 2005. That is – the Alex Smith class, you know, that was a long, a long but, time but ago. But players love him. Players love they like, do. The guys love him. He's a great in the locker room. I feel like if, if he has to step in or in week one or has to step in later for whatever reason, people rally around him. He's had quite the career, a ton of teams. Until the turnover bug kicks in. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I'm not saying he's been awesome, but he – is capable of putting up some big numbers. All right, final, true or false. The Jacksonville Jaguars will win more than eight games in 2019. The G- hmm. 
That's a good one. No. They're false. False. They, they will not, they, <laughs> yes. No, they will That's not win. That's how this game win, goes. They will not win more than eight games. They will not win more than eight games. I don't think so. I think eight. What people don't understand. They got Nick Foles. I understand why people think eight and eight is bad. Eight and eight is not bad. It's just not good. Mm-hmm. But it's not bad. It's right in the middle. It's hard. We see it. It's hard. Bill O'Brien is an eight and eight league. It's hard to win eight games. Forget about the eight losses. You have to win eight games. If you are able to win two more than that, you're a real good team. You're ten and six. You're probably in the postseason. You might even win your division with ten and six. That's a good squad right there. Every win, every game is a gigantic building block. Eight games is a lot. That's a big improvement for them. I think they can get there, and I think this will be the kind of season for the AFC South where the last place team could have eight wins. That's right. I, do, I actually think that it'll be right around there, eight and eight, yeah. which is why I think that's a tough question to answer. All right, Mark, uh, thanks so much. We're going to have John Harris come in and break down the new tight end signing. Where does he fit in? And is John Harris happy with what the skill position players look like on this roster? Where could the Texans possibly make some additions through the draft? That's all coming up in the final segment of Texans All Access. Welcome back for the final segment of Texans All Access. Joining me now, my good friend John Harris. Johnny, welcome in. Thanks for having me in, DP. I, I really appreciate being here. This is uh, this is kind of where I've I've gone lately the last couple of days <laughs> to get away from all the issues I've got at home. I talked about it in the lab with Drew earlier today that you're still without power. I'm still without power. This is I'm still I, without power. To me. I'm just hoping to get it before the night turns dark, so I can get back in the house. But uh, either way, I appreciate the guys working on my my entire backyard. It looks like a it looks like a maze. Because they've had to dig this trench in my yard because I got underground power lines. It's just a mess. And your was your it's your a house. Mess. Your house is the only one that had power cut to it, right? Yes. Just the accident. Like, my line. Good fortune. My yeah. line. <laughs> my line. So let, let me. Uh, this but, this yeah. This I'm would be my you, I'm gonna tell you indefinitely a, without power. Yeah. Tell you just a quick story. Uh, the power of the Texans. So, this group comes by yesterday, and and the foreman is from Rosenberg. He's like he tells me he's 74 years old, and he's just a sweetheart. He's a really nice guy. And so he's got to go down and get the permits from the city. And so he's got the address already. And he comes by and he says, oh, I need, I need your name. And so I tell him John at first. And then something kind of happens and takes my attention away. So I say John. And then I kind of have to deal with something else real fast. And then he goes, what's your last name? And I said, Harris. And he starts to write H-A-R. And he looks at me. And then I could see that look. Of like, <laughs> Recognition. What is, that? what is that? And he looked at me. And he kind of pointed in this older man. I know you, and he kind of points at me, and I'm just like, I don't really know what to say. I'm like, yeah. Did okay. it? You, you should have cashed in a favor, Johnny. Well, I like, sort of, I, I pushed I, my power. I kind of did request. Up. I kind of did in some sense because the way that they had to dig the trench, they wanted to dig it in my neighbor's yard, so it was a little bit easier. And so I was kind of like, ah, yeah, I can't get a hold of my neighbor. I don't know where she is. And the the foreman, that guy, the 74-year-old, was like, no, no, you just do hard work in his yard. You just do it in his yard. You just do that. And so I was like, all right. He kind of he was kind of <laughs> making sure that everything, you know, stayed the way that it needed to be. He was like, you guys just work hard and put it in the right yard. It'll be good. So uh, shout out to the guys that have done the work. It's taken a while, but uh, hopefully we'll get back up and running tonight. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully by the time I get home, it's up. Hopefully you have power hopefully. by the time you get home tonight. Oh, I, I hope so for you, Johnny. You're a good Ugh. sport about it. All right, free agency still underway. It seems like so much is changing day to day, but I wanted to get your thoughts on tight end Darren Fells. Yep. 
Uh, Texans just added him. Uh, how do you think this affects the tight end group as a whole? We saw what happened last year with the two rookies, mm-hmm. the two Jordans. Yep. Did some nice things in the passing and the receiving game. Um, you know, what does this mean for Ryan Griffin, or will it just be a bigger tight end room that we've seen? Well, and it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it because you know last year they had Matt Lengel they brought to training camp, and I and I thought Matt had a pretty good. I training thought he looked camp. really good in camp, and it's funny because the one thing I expected Matt. Okay, they brought Matt Lengel there to block. Like, that's what he's going to do. But then he caught the ball pretty well during training camp, and I thought, man, this is going to be a really tough cut if they end up cutting Lengel. But they decided at that point that they wanted to go with just with three tight ends, and that's been what they've gone with on the 53. And I tried to think of a time when they went with more than that, and there may be some time. I, I, I can't remember. I don't remember under Bill O'Brien as having I, I, four. Three was the only – I mean, they, they had C.J. Griff and Ryan, uh, uh, Steven Anderson for a while, and then last year they had the three – so, in signing Fells, kind of like in bringing in Lengel last year, it doesn't mean that Fells automatically makes the roster, but my guess is in signing him that they have a thought of what they want to do. The one thing about free agency that, that has really struck me, DP, is that they've gone after uh, free agents that fulfill a distinct need. And, you know, for Deshaun Gibson, it was covering tight ends. For Bradley Robio, it was to play man-to-man. Uh, with uh, Brian Bo- uh, Body Calhoun, it was uh, to to play inside and to cover inside. And what the football one on one I drew up was from a play in which the Browns played the Broncos, and they in the the Broncos tried to run an almost exact similar play to what the Eagles ran against us. And the Eagles ran all kinds of pick routes, and it was like that play I found. It was like, oh man, he can beat the pick route. I don't know. That was. Maybe a little bit too granular, but they seem like they brought they've brought guys here for specific reasons. And I know that's what teams do in free agency. But you know, some guys you sign just well, we need a left tackle. But it felt like they're like we need a safety, but we want the safety to be able to do who does X. And it feels like with Fells, we want a tight end that is going to be able to hold his own in the in the run game, but also be a pass blocker. And so. I was I watched that same Broncos Browns game because I'd already watched it with Body Calhoun, so I figured, all right, let me go and let me watch it with with Fells and see what I see what I can find. It was so funny because I was driving around in my car yesterday, uh, trying to take care of one thing after another, and I was listening to Triple Threat and Sean and Rich were talking about they were talking about Fells and they were they were half joking and and obviously being half serious at the same time. They were like, yeah, Fells isn't a tackle, but he can come in and help the pass protection. They both kind of laughed. and like, yeah, but he's a tight end. They were kind of joking and laughing about it. So as I'm going through the game, I get to the second or third quarter, and the Browns the Browns have Nick Chubb and Fells on the field, which is a, which is a distinct run set. They got Chubb. They got Fells. Fells is the run guy. You know, they've been moving Fels. Fels was in like almost every other play because then Joku would be in, then Fels would be in, and then they both would be in. But when Fels was on the field, it was it was a definitive run key to the Broncos. So they're like, we're putting our base defense on the field. But then the Browns came out and shotgun and spread them out. So that's great for the Browns because now they're all one-on-one against the, the Broncos secondary, and this is great. But what it means is Fels with the Broncos base defense – Fells is going to end up more than likely being one-on-one against Von Miller. Mm. And he was. And he stoned him. Von Miller, it, it was a, I watched it like 10 times. He's like 6'7". Like, he's 6'7", 270. And so, he's huge. 
he so Miller tried to rush it from the outside, and Fells, having played a lot of basketball, played basketball in college, didn't play football in college, just kind of slid over like he was Gardner's man of basketball. Vaughn got shut down, so he tried to go back inside. Fells just kind of slid right back over and stayed in front of him. I don't know that I've seen tackles that have done that against uh-huh. Vaughn Miller that well. And so what happened was is when Miller went inside, Todd Davis, inside linebacker, tried to loop outside. Well, Miller was trying to still get free, so he went back outside after his first attempt, and they ran kind of into Davis. And so Fells is basically blocking both of them. Baker Mayfield's got all the time in the world, throws it down the field. It's incomplete. But it, thought, it got me thinking back to what Sean and Rich were talking about and, and sort of half-joking, half-serious about him helping in pass protection. And I think that's one thing that goes – uh, we talk about the the front five when it's pass protection because the tight ends a lot of times are out in the route. But how many times have we seen the tight ends and running backs have to be on a guy and on an outside edge rusher? I mean, we've seen it plenty of times. I think of hop spins. You know, Randy Gregory's coming off the edge and Ryan Griffin and, and Alfred Blue have to go over and block him. Well, if your one tight end can take that one guy, now Alfred can or your up. running back can right. go out in the flat and go be a pass receiver. And so that just frees you up. And also, to what the Browns did, the Browns knew, hey, wait a second, we can, we can show them a run set and get them to scheme up for a run, but then we can spread them out and throw it. But we got to have a tight end on Von Miller. Are we okay with that? Well, Fells handled it like a champ. So it, it just kind of made me chuckle when I saw it. I was like, i got to do my football 101 on this. And so you can read it and, and see what I was just talking about. So – from that perspective, you bring in a guy that may not catch a ton of passes. But if he ends up helping other guys catch passes just because of pass protection, which is weird because you're like tight end, pass protection, but at 270 pounds, if he's holding his own against Vaughn Miller, I mean, that's a great asset to have for your offense. But he could catch passes if needed, oh, yeah. if he needs to. Absolutely. He only had one incompletion last year, right? He was, he was 11 of 12, 117 yards and a touchdown. They didn't throw to him a lot, but yeah. – when, when targeted they did, 12 times, he had 11 receptions. He, he only had one incompletion. So yeah. it's it's almost like a dual threat. Like you have to you have to worry about the fact that he could go out there and catch a pass well, too. Well, in that same game, a little while later, I can't remember if it was before, but it was in that same thing may have been on the same drive. He, he flexed out a little bit, and he got matched up on Todd Davis, the inside linebacker. And he ran basically a little angle route. And so on the angle route, you try and sell the flat, that you're going to the flat, get that defender to bite, and then boom, you cut back underneath. And the Browns did a really nice job of, of isolating the defenders and getting everybody out of the middle of the field. And so everybody was working outside the numbers, and Fells was working the middle. And he was wide open, and Davis literally just had to grab him. And so it ended up being a defensive holding. So we know we can catch, we can catch the football too. And that's, that's always helpful if you have a guy that can kind of lay the wood up front and block and put a helmet on somebody. Oh, yeah, by the way, he can slip out and catch a pass. You're talking about a – you know, a guy that was a you know all Big West second team All Big West basketball player, so he's got athletic ability, and you know that. And so it's sort of ironic that the basketball player can block and block pretty well, and especially in pass protection. So that to me, you've got you've you've got a very intriguing player. And I know people think, well, wait a second, why didn't the Browns keep him? The Browns wanted Demetrius Harris from the Kansas City Chiefs, who's a, who's a pretty darn good athlete. Now, I don't think Harris is quite the blocker that Fells is, but I think they probably wanted to use Harris a little bit more in the passing game. That's why they ended up going with Different skill set. Yeah. This maybe, rem- maybe a little bit different. Maybe a little different kind of player. Harris is not as bulky 
as Fells is at Fells being 270. So um, either way, Browns uh, ended up releasing him, waving him, whatever the case might be, and the Texans ended up with him. I like what you said about filling a certain skill set because uh, was it a w- two weeks ago Daniel Jeremiah had his mock draft yeah. and he had the Texans taking TJ Hawkinson from Iowa yeah. who kind of does the same thing obviously now with Brendan Fells maybe you know that become I, I I didn't really I don't I don't know how many people locally agreed with that pick as far as the media I, I right. know John McClain said definitely not they're not taking a tight end in the yeah. first round but with that being said now you got Fells probably not going to take another tight end in the first round I'm right. guessing I didn't think they were anyway but where does that leave the rest of the skill skill position. Yeah. I know you don't like calling them skill, skill I mean, it's players. an interesting question because, and I've thought about How this How do we a lot. feel about it yeah. now at this point? Well, I, I kind of felt like everything DP was tied in together, and that was if they've got, they've got three picks in the top 55 and they've got four in the top 86. So that's kind of the way. Those, those four picks to me, I think of those four, three of them have got to be starters. And... I don't know exactly what positions they'll be starters, but I think the the thought is tackle corner would be two of them, and then you know maybe a surprise, you know whatever the case might be. But when I started thinking about do the Texans have enough weapons for Deshaun? Because we've talked about how often the, the the offensive line, offensive line, I mean, we've just beating the drum on offensive line. Everybody's talking about the offensive line; it's got to get better, and there's no no question. I mean, it's it's got to get better. Today, I watched the I watched the Buffalo game. Uh, because it was one of the games that they gave up seven sacks and ended up winning. And you you watch and you're like, you can see a lot of needs improvement on the offensive line. So I think one of those picks ends up being offensive line. So going into the draft kind of felt like, hey, if they if they end up getting an offensive lineman that could conceivably play left tackle, and then they re-sign Chantrell, which everybody forgets about that. They didn't sign anybody. They, they signed sign Chantrell. Yes, Who should be healthy? Who should be healthy, be healthy now? Yeah. Um, if they short up all the needs in the offensive line and they short up the needs in secondary, then maybe they could take a guy like TJ Hawkinson because he offers a different skill set at tight end than any of the other tight ends in this draft. He's an incredible blocker. Oh, so you still but think. But he's an athlete. But, you still think. But, uh-huh. I, but no, no, no. That was only if they were able to satisfy those needs. Now, my thought was if they satisfied all those needs, then to me maybe the next best option was an interior pass rusher. You know, a guy like Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. Somebody like that that can get up the field. Which I've been hearing a lot about this year as well, interior pass rushers. And I think that's something that Brian Gain talked about at the Combine that would be really helpful. Now, I think Carlos Watkins can help in that vein. But I felt like that would be another, another way to go. But down deep... I knew that they probably weren't going to be able to find the tackle that they would really feel comfortable just moving over to left tackle and being that's the guy. Because if you didn't get Trent Brown after that, Darrell Williams was a question mark off an injury, and you kind of had a feeling he wasn't going to leave Carolina. And Juwan James has been a mystery and inconsistent his entire career with Miami. After that, there's not there's not a whole heck of a lot there on the market that you really get si- excited about that you can say, oh, he could play over left tackle. I know a lot of people have talked about Donald Penn lately. All I'm going to say is go put the film on, bro, because the film in 2018 is not kind. And if that – and I went back and watched 2017 too. And 2017, I'm like, okay, it's good, but oh. But then you watch 2018 and you're like, boy, there's a drop-off. He still thinks he can play and maybe he can, but just – watch the tape and you realize, yeah. So my point in all that is I still think there is a distinct need at tackle, be left, right, depending on how they're going to put the guys. But they, I still think they need a young rookie tackle 
that they can build uh, with going forward. I think corner has been addressed, but I still think they're going to need a young, long, athletic corner, a guy that can just fly that you can you know put with Roby, you can put with J. Joe. Um, you can put with uh, Bodie Calhoun, and those guys can kind of figure it all out. But you need to, you need a young piece at both of those spots. So that leaves two other pieces of those four picks in the top 86. And I've thought all along that a running back is a running, a dual threat running back, a guy that you could put out in pass routes, and you know he's going to be a pass receiver and be effective, whether it's in the screen game or just lined up in the slot. You know, kind of like Lamar is, you know, when he's allowed to go out. And that's kind of the, the domino effect of your offensive line struggling is that you have to use your running backs. For pass help. protection. Yeah, for pass protection. And Lamar's got one more year left on the contract. Right. Alfred Blue is a free agent. So right. it makes sense that they'd want to add something to the right. running backs group just yeah. for long, the long term. And, and Deontay Foreman, obviously, he's there. Right. And and, but, and and hopefully he's healthy. And that's two. 100%. So you'd, you'd like to be able to have three. And I think. That's where they'll go in the in the skill position area in the draft is I in running back. Now, I don't know if they're going to have. A what about total a number inter- number four wide receiver? Well, that's that's another one. You've got Vincent Smith, but is that something that you have the luxury of waiting till after the draft is over because they they like the undrafted a lot for yeah. That position. There's no question, and and they should every year an undrafted has made the team. So, and Vincent was that guy last year. I think Vincent will make a pretty significant jump from year one to year two as your number four. And I think that's pro- – to me, I think you could probably get a receiver type in on day three, and that guy could end up fighting for that number four spot. I don't know that you look before that because if you draft a guy, like I said, those top four, three of them got to be starters, and the fourth one's got to be a big contributor. Well, if Kiki and Will and DeAndre are all healthy, you're probably not going to have a fourth receiver on the field a ton. So you've got to be able to get impact. I think you'd probably have a running back out there a little bit more, but I think there are some kind of interesting offensive weapons in this draft that you could look at that do a different do different things. And I'll give you an example: a guy by the name of Jalen Hurd at Tennessee. He was a running back. He's six five. He's two twenty five. He's a big dude. Played running back. He and Butch Jones didn't always see eye to eye. Then he had a concussion. He kind of fell out of favor with Jones, and then he ended up transferring. He went to Baylor and decided I'm going to go be a wide receiver at Baylor. So he went to Baylor, had a pretty good year at wide receiver, got hurt at the end of the year, so we didn't see him in the bowl game. But he's a guy with running back-like skills. He's got F tight end-like size. He runs like a receiver, can play receiver. So he's kind of an interesting weapon. Like, where do you play him? Like, where does he go? But, oh, by the way, when he's on the field, teams are think defenses are thinking the same thing. Like, what do you do with this guy? So – I think that Jalen's probably gone by no later in the fourth round, but that's the kind of player. You know, a guy like Jalen Samuels last year, you know, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, when, when Le'Veon doesn't come back and then James Conner takes over, James Conner gets hurt, then all of a sudden, who steps in his place? Jalen Samuels, the guy that played tight end, wide receiver, running back at NC State. He steps in at running back, it's the position he played the least, and he and off you go. So he created some different matchups. So I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of guy, I don't know if they look tight end. I don't know if they look wide receiver. Like you think running back, 
but I do think kind of a different sort of weapon. Like a Swiss Army knife. Yes. I think skill, the, theory of, the theory of Braxton Miller a couple years ago I think was right. And even Tyler Irvin, if he would have panned right. out and stayed healthy. Right. It's just a matter of finding the right finding guy to the do right something guy. like that. All right, Johnny, that's going to do it for us. You can check out more from John Harris on the Harris 100. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. He changes it frequently. I'm sure you're going to have another iteration. Yeah, it's coming right? up. My, I've just submitted my version 2.0. All right. Be looking for that. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. We'll be back tomorrow night, 6 to 7 p.m. Don't miss us. The latest on free agency and HoustonTexans.com for the rest. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.